that lets you save Eating healthy doesn't have to be a chore. It really needs to be pleasurable. And so I wanted to create recipes that were delicious, that had flavor, and that people would enjoy, together or alone. Welcome to Exploring Mind and Body with Drew Tadia. Drew is an expert in nutrition, fitness, lifestyle, and more. And he wants to help you live a healthier, longer, and more active life. Now here's your host, Drew Tadia. Welcome to another edition of Nationally Syndicated Exploring Mind and Body. Thank you so much for being here. Thank you for tuning in and being a part of our True Form Life community. We're coming at you with a brand new show. We appreciate whether you're listening on terrestrial radio across the country or as a podcast around the world. We certainly wouldn't be here without you. So stick around. We got all that coming up. This is Exploring Mind and Body. Naturally improve your lifestyle one show at a time with your host, Drew Tadia. Welcome to another edition of Nationally Syndicated, Exploring Mind and Body. We're super excited to have another fantastic guest on the show. So without further ado, welcome to the show, Ellen. Thank you so much for having me, Drew. I'm really happy to be here. Yes, it is our pleasure. We'd love to learn more about who you are and what you do. So why don't we start with that? So my name is Ellen Goldsmith, and I'm a board-certified and licensed acupuncturist and Chinese herbalist practicing Chinese medicine, which I've been in the field now for about 30 years. And my passion is really helping people to make changes in their health and well-being on a daily basis so they can be in charge of how they feel. And I really believe that there is great possibility and change is always uh, an opportunity for people. It's hard, but it can be done. So acupuncture is a great way for people to experience an immediate change in how they feel, just coming in, feeling one way, getting off the table, feeling more relaxed and energized. And then we, we go further and I help people to really um, start to make lifestyle changes because Chinese medicine, which is the oldest continually practiced medicine in the world, uh, is really based on the values of nourishing life nourishing vitality and preventing harm and that we do through lifestyle we do that through movement we do that through the food we eat we do that through how we manage our stress a lot of people do that these days with mindfulness with meditation with yoga with qigong tai chi and you know finding a way to really have balance in the body because the body has the capacity to self-regulate but many people have lost that just because of modern life, you know, food, the way we eat, the kind of packaging of foods that come to us, the stress that we're under. Of course, the last three years have been enormously hard on people with COVID and just all the trauma that has brought up for people. So, you know, Chinese medicine, because it's based on the observation of nature and learning how to be in tune with nature, not only on the external side, but on the internal side, I think it has... Um, great potential, great potency in helping people to heal and maintain their health. So how did you get into this? So I was a dancer in New York City and in my 20s, I was working in dance and theater in New York, and I just really wasn't feeling up to par. My energy was low and, um, you know, I was kind of a lousy vegetarian, meaning that on my way to dance class, I'd stop at a cheese shop and get a whole chunk of cheese and eat it thinking I was getting a lot of protein and stuff. <laughs> And about six people started recommending I go to see this woman. Well, it started out one, two, three, four, five. When we got to the sixth person, 
I said, okay, I'm going. And it was a woman named Shizuka Yamamoto. She was a blind Japanese shiatsu practitioner and a macrobiotic teacher in New York City. And I went to see her and she gave me a treatment. She did barefoot shiatsu. So I lay on the floor and she worked with me with her feet. And I felt like I had come alive. I felt just like I had woken up to my body in a way that I had never experienced before. And then I sat with her and she said to me, you know, you really have to change how you eat. And I went, oh, okay. She said, yeah, you don't sit down to eat food. You eat too much fruit. You need to eat more vegetables. You eat more whole grains. And I just kind of couldn't believe that she knew how I ate without me telling her that much. So I left and I started exploring that. And then I came back to her. And I got another treatment and I said to her, I want to learn this. Will you teach me? And she said, no, she said, <laughs> you have to go and study macrobiotics at the Cushy Institute and macrobiotics isn't really around so much anymore, but it was the foundation for a lot of natural food practices in North America, brown rice, futons, airwan, all of these came out of macrobiotics and macrobiotics is really a, a a creation by George Osawa, but based on the principles of yin and yang in Chinese medicine. So I went and studied and I learned how to cook. I learned shiatsu, which is a style of acupressure, um, much like acupuncture without needles. So it's a massage, but you do it wearing clothing, lying on the floor usually. I learned about the principles of Asian medicine and I was so excited and it helped me so much and my energy felt so much better. And back then there was a big community of macrobiotic people. So we cooked together and, you know, I was so thrilled with what I was, how I was feeling and what I was doing. I started sharing it with people and I kept studying and I kept following my curiosity. And then finally I said, okay, time to formalize my education. And I did that out here in Portland, Oregon, the classical College of Classical Chinese Medicine and received my master's of science in East Asian medicine here. And uh, been practicing ever since and always learning and always really thrilled to help people. Very interesting. Okay. So you were, you started quite young. So you hitchhiked across Canada, 18. <laughs> then at 20, you were a dancer in New York. Yes. <laughs> You're moving quickly. Yes. I was moving quickly. Well, I was dancing even then in my teens in college and playing around with vegetarianism and everything. So, so what, what were you doing in New York? In New York, I was working in dance and theater. And then when I um, got into this health, you know, and shiatsu and changing my diet, I was, like I said, sharing it with a lot of people. And I was hired by um, quite a visionary person, Ron Argelander at New York University, because uh, he felt that he was working in the drama department. And he noticed that a lot of their students were burning out. They weren't able to focus, maintain their, uh, they couldn't build their energy. Their awareness was kind of, scattered you know that's what happens when you're young right and he wanted me to come in and teach them how to take care of themselves so i created this course called body coaching for the performing artist and we started with uh, my focus was helping them to build body awareness taking that and learning how to focus that then turning that focus into energy and then taking that energy and putting it into their theatrical presence and that was you know to get them enticed to come and take my class it was a very covert and overt way of teaching them how to care for themselves you know how to do self-care and we saw and then it became a required course for all incoming freshmen and i taught there 
for 12 years before I came out to um, Portland, Oregon, where I did my studies. Wow. So you moved to or Oregon just for um, to school? Well, it's, a, it's, it's another story. I, I actually met my husband on the uh, subway in New York City, and um, it turned out we had this conversation. He was in the film department at NYU. I was in the drama department. We were working in the same building. And on that first meeting, he told me he was moving to Portland, Oregon to study naturopathic medicine. And I thought, oh, my gosh. And I thought, why do I care? I don't know this person. Anyway, long story short, after two years of a long distance relationship, I came out here. He was in medical school. And I thought, well, I guess I might as well go finish my studies. So that's how it worked out. <laughs> so you guys are both in holistic health? Uh, yes. Very cool. Okay. All right. So what, what do people usually come to you? I mean, I'm sure there's a wide array, but is there anything in particular that people come to, to see you about? You know, most people walk in the door. Acupuncture is quite well known for pain issues. So most people would come for pain and I have a good background in movement therapies and the body. So I felt, you know, I feel really well versed in that, but really underneath that people are really coming and seeking more energy, more vitality, more balance, more sense of calm. I would say those are the big underlying issues that people are really looking to um, resolve and and cultivate. And what about, I mean, I feel like it's more mainstream now, even from 10 years ago. How is it, has it been challenging for you to share the benefits of acupuncture? People already know by now. I don't think it's so challenging. I mean, in Oregon, um, it's a very progressive state in terms of healthcare. You know, we're licensed under the Board of Medical, the Oregon Medical Board. So, you know, we have a large scope of practice. And in that way, it's accepted, you know, insurance will accept it, et cetera. And, um, but still, you know, people kind of come to you, come to me at the last, as their last resort. <laughs> Because you know, they've tried other things, you know, they've had surgery and they have post-surgical pain. They have headaches that are intractable. They they can't resolve them. Um, and they've taken lots of medication and they're tired of medication. They have GI issues that you know they're taking medications and it doesn't really help them. Um, things like that. They're depressed or anxious and they've tried other things. So they kind of come to Chinese medicine and acupuncture thinking it's a little bit magic, but it's not, you know, it has a energetic foundation to it. And Chinese medicine is not just acupuncture. Um, it is food, it is herbs, it is body work, it is qigong. And, you know, people will come to me for a while and they'll get benefit, but then they stop. And so why I wrote this book, Nutritional Healing with Chinese Medicine, was really to bring that ancient wisdom into the forefront and give people access to um, resources to skills to information to recipes. I have 175 seasonal recipes to help them apply that ancient wisdom in their modern lives, and so that they could have more balance and more vitality and feel a little bit more in charge of that. It's, you know, because you can't go to acupuncture forever. You know, people will take herbs, but you need to have people help you with those herbs because you don't want to take the same herbs that you took three years ago all the time. <laughs> don't eat the same food that we ate 10 years ago. We may need different kinds of foods. Yeah, for sure. So let's talk about your book a bit more. You wanted to, you want to help people on a deeper level. Who is your specific audience or those that are looking for some type of change that you can help with? I'm, I'm really 
really wanted to write this. When I wrote this book, I thought of my colleagues, nutritionists, medical doctors, um, people who were interested in Chinese medicine, because I think there's an overlay. I think that it's not Chinese medicine or Western medicine. Western medicine and Western nutrition have a lot to offer us in terms of nutrients, macro, micronutrients, minerals, et cetera, all of that. But there are cultural traditions that have, you know, uh, endured and there are, are common sense and medicinal ways of eating that have endured as well. So I wanted this book to be for people in the field. And I also wanted it to be for my patients. So I could say, hey, look, you know, you're having this problem. Look at this section, look at these recipes and try them out. And, you know, or I would make recommendations. So anyone who's interested in food and how they can help them heal, people who are interested in food for health, but not necessarily looking for a diet, you know, because I'm trying to get people to figure out how to know how to eat for themselves over a span of a lifetime, you know, and, and of course it changes and even every season it changes, right? You know, we, we, we get a change of season. We're like, oh my God, what am I going to eat? I don't know what to eat. You know, you know, kind of like, I don't know what to wear, <laughs> you know, that's really who the book is for. Fantastic. And do you, this is a tough one. I've written a couple of books myself. Do you have a favorite chapter in your book? I really like the chapter I wrote on seasonal health. I also, because I think that eating in tune with the seasons can give us a really clear perspective of how to make changes seasonally. You know, every season asks us to participate in a different kind of way, right? So I know you're in Canada, so it's a little colder up there, but <laughs> you know, um, in the winter, we hibernate, we go in, you know, because it's cold outside and hopefully we have heat in our homes, you know, to keep us warm. But we also go interior, you know, in a way to build our interior, to build our internal resources. One of my Chinese medicine teachers once said, you know, winter is deceiving because it looks like the most barren time of year, but it's actually the most important and the most active time of year, because that's when all the seeds go back into their earth to rebuild their essence so they can sprout forth in the spring. That's when the animals go back. That's when the insects go underground. And we're seeing this you know, with climate change, when it's not so cold in the winter or as cold as it was, there are problems we're seeing, you know, with tick-borne diseases and, you know, animal populations, et cetera, and also our crops not thriving as well. So, you know, we go interior in winter and we want to do that with ourselves as well. And then in spring, we need to kind of burst forth and be reborn and regenerate and renew ourselves. So, I like that because it's you can you can palpate it, you can feel it in your body, and that way you, you can kind of then when you learn about the food, you can and the cooking styles, you can learn about how to adapt that to help you do that. You don't want to be sitting in your house in springtime. You want to be able to go out. You don't want to feel like you're carrying around that baggage with you. So interesting. I love that because you think about the uh, you do think about the winter as being less active or sedentary, especially if you're living in colder climates, less people are going outside and being active, but internally there's so much more going on, probably energetically, maybe even emotionally. Absolutely. I mean, we underestimate and underemphasize the need for internal reflection, for internal cultivation, for time with ourselves, you know, to take stock you know, so practices in the winter that are very regenerative are yoga that's not like you're not sweating, you know, 
uh, regenerative yoga, um, meditation, um, you know, taking those things that really nourish you. Some people it's writing or journaling, some people it's drawing, some people it's playing music, but really using that time to kind of cultivate and cultivate ourselves, knitting, whatever it is, you know, something that goes inside. It's not about a time of going out. You know, with COVID, we had a winter that kept going on and on and on, even when it was spring. And, and that was confusing for us, right? We we wanted to go out, but really couldn't because of just the, the, the severity of the pandemic, especially in the beginning. Mm-hmm. So what kind of, let's see, how about, let's talk about foods, food specifically and maybe winter. What kind of foods or herbs, what are you looking at for the different types of eating for seasonal seasons? So in winter, because we want to build that internal, we call it in Chinese medicine, that yin, our internal body fluids, our, the nourishment of our internal viscera, our organs, etc. We also have to protect our yang. So our yang is what warms us. And so we have to have, and it's cold out. So we want to warm the body. So we do foods that are longer cooked. You know, in my book, I have a recipe for a a nourishing lamb stew, which I also have a a variation of it for vegans, which I use chickpeas. But the nourishing lamb stew is based on an ancient Chinese herbal formula. Lamb is very warming. It nourishes the blood. It nourishes the kidney, which is winter is the time of the kidney in Chinese medicine. And we add in ginger, which is also warming. It's also harmonizing. And then we add in an herb called dangwei, which is, uh, we call it the women's ginseng, but it nourishes the blood, which is a yin substance in the body. I know this is a different language for a lot of your listeners, but what we're trying to do is warm and nourish. And so by adding herbs to an already warming meat, it creates a kind of exalts the function of the, the dish. And then I have in there, I have um, uh, winter squash, uh, butternut squash, which is uh, sweet and kind of warming, some very warming spices like star anise and cinnamon, ginger, a little Sichuan pepper, and spinach. So it's a you cook it for a long time, so the meat breaks down, so it's easier to digest. And if you're making it with chickpeas, you wouldn't cook it as long, but you would cook it long enough so that the the herbs and and will kind of meld the flavor and the therapeutic value. So you know, root vegetables. You know, we eat more preserved food, uh, dried foods, uh, fermented foods, things like that. Uh, hearty greens like kale and collards. Those greens that really do well with frost and snow. So those are some examples. So that's that's winter time, and that's going to be different from spring or summer. Yes, very different. You know, so here in the Pacific Northwest, even though it's still cold and rainy, we have a lot of things that are sprouting up, like the first kinds of greens that sprout up are, of course, dandelion greens, which are bitter and they're very cleansing. They're good for the liver. We have chives growing. We have nettles, which are uh, stinging nettles. Uh, I don't know if you have them in Canada up there. You probably do. Um, we have uh, little raw vegetables. Those are like overwintered greens with the little flowers coming out. There's a kind of spiciness and pungency to these greens. Baby carrots, baby turnips, which have a sweetness to that. So even in the foods that are available, there's a kind of pungent flavor, spiciness that helps to kind of break up congestion in the body, uh, break up that building of all that internal heat that we have in the winter. And that sweet flavor that you get with like baby carrots, baby beets, baby turnips, Japanese turnips, that 
um, that are, are nourishing and they're calming and harmonizing. So you get that nice kind of mix. And the cooking is much lighter. You know, you'll do a stir fry, you'll do a quick saute, you'll do a, a blended soup, you know, things that keep the freshness of the food. But also by cooking it, you break it down a little bit, make it easier to digest. You know, you don't want to go from like heavy cooked foods to like smoothies and raw salads. You know, that's hard on our digestive system because we have to work hard. Our stomach has to work hard and generate a lot of HCL, hydrochloric acid, to break that down. And it's kind of like a waste of energy because if you cook the food, it's already a little broken down and then your body can, your stomach can break it down even further. You send it through small intestine, it gets transformed and absorbed. So that's uh, that's a big difference there. So tell me about the benefits or tell our audience here about the benefits of eating seasonally, like those specific foods in the wintertime versus different types of foods in the summer. Well, we want to balance with our external environment, right? So if it's cold out, we want to generate warmth in the body. We want to kind of build our reserves. So by cooking in longer term, you know, longer cooking in the winter, we're really generating more internal heat into the food itself, which then when we eat that, we're doing that for ourselves as well. And then in the spring, um, we, we want more sense of lightness and activity and ability to kind of be out there in the world. Did I answer that question correctly for you? <laughs> That's okay. You probably got lots of questions. I was looking more specifically. That was great, by the way, but what are some specific benefits? I'd imagine you talked about digestion quite a bit, improving digestion, maybe energy levels. Why would someone eat in this way, like seasonally in this way? Again, you know, we want to really be able to participate in our lives. So if we're kind of eating like winter, heavy, richer cooked foods in spring, we might feel a little bit heavier, not, you know, in weight wise, but just energy wise. We want to be able to rise up, so to speak, for spring and come out. And so in Chinese nutritional therapy, flavor, much like an herbal medicine, has a therapeutic value. It has an action on the body. So like that, um, that sweet flavor, I said, it's more nourishing, more harmonizing. We just want to feel in sync. We want to feel flow. I think when we feel our best, we feel that. We don't want to feel too cold in, in spring. So in spring, you still need to like, you know, like my grandma said, you have to keep wearing your jacket because the, the, the weather changes a lot. You know, it's windy, it's warm one day, it's cold the next, it's sunny, it's rainy. And we need to be able to keep adapting. It's kind of like skateboarding riding a wave, so to speak. <laughs> so is wondering if there's any favorite um, herbs that you like to work with or that you recommend? Well, in springtime where we have, I don't know about in Canada how it works, but down here, you know, especially in the Willamette Valley, people get a lot of allergies and um, a lot of, and, you know, runny nose, itchy eyes, kind of those heat little symptoms that you get. And so herbs that um, have a natural antihistamine kind of effect. Like like I said, nettles. You can get nettles as a dried tea. If you live in a place where you can forage them in a field or a forest uh, with gloves on so you don't sting your fingers, um, sometimes they sell them at farmer's market. But dried nettles tea is a wonderful thing to drink in spring if you're having allergies. I have a recipe in my book where I mix the nettles with some rose because rose is um, slightly warming. It's very good for the liver and spring is the time of the liver. 
Um, it's calming for the nervous system. And then I add in some chrysanthemum flower, not like the ones you have in your garden, but the Chinese chrysanthemum flower that you can get. You can buy it online or an Asian grocery market. It's a lovely light kind of in the chamomile family almost in terms of flavor. But we use it a lot for calming down heat, for allergy symptoms. Um, so that's a lovely tea that is really beneficial in springtime. In winter, we might have more warming. Um, not that we get rid of the warming spices in the spring, but you know, adding cinnamon in is very useful if you're feeling cold or you're having, um, you know, even if you make like smoothies, put some cinnamon and some ginger in to warm it up, you know, to help your digestion. Um, we take more tonic herbs in the winter, whether it be astragalus or um, mushrooms are food, but they also have a very strong therapeutic value for the immune system. So that's something nice to have in winter and spring. Other things in spring, I would say, would be peppermint. Again, it just helps open up. We say in Chinese medicine, opens up the orifices, you know, the smell, um, the lightness of it. And it also is calming, it's good for the digestive system, good for allergies as well. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Well, we have listeners all over all over the world really but um it's nice to hear in, like there's allergies all there's, people deal with allergies all over right so i think it yes. just depends depends on the season and the individual but that's that was fantastic ellen is there anything i feel like that flew by um is there anything that i missed that you wanted to mention oh, wow we covered so much i'm really happy that we covered it i guess i want to say one thing about cooking because <laughs> cooking is the way that we can really take care of ourselves in, in a pleasurable way. And I think it's been, it's a skill that's been lost um, in the last two generations. You know, people are double income households, people working a few jobs, you know, kids just kind of like figuring it out, you know, fast food, microwaves, etc. And, you know, culinary medicine has really been part of humankind for millennia. And, I, you know, I have a chapter in my book, which kind of helps people kind of get back into the kitchen because it's a skill and it's pretty doable. It's not rocket science. Um, so I just, I really hope that people can take pleasure in cooking and, and nourishing themselves and their families. Um, because I think it's a great way, especially in this world that we're just nonstop, we can gather together, you know, calm down for a minute or so and, and really share some food together. Sharing food together is one of the great pleasures of life. And, you know, eating healthy doesn't have to be a chore. It really needs to be pleasurable. And so I wanted to create recipes that were delicious, that had flavor and that people would enjoy together or alone. <laughs> mm -hmm. It's so, there's such a unique experience when you share a meal and it sounds, I don't know if that's an oversimplification because you could sit down and like we talk, when we teach work with our clients, we talk about mindful eating and chewing your food and improving digestion. And I think it, it's different when you have a large gathering, and you just eat your food and then leave the table. I think that's very different than actually sharing a meal and having good conversations and not being in a rush. And like you're saying, it's not, it's almost unheard of these days with families, but even if you could get your family to sit down and invite some friends once a week or once every couple of weeks, it's such a different experience than what we're used to. Yeah. You know, we deserve some pleasure every day in a really simple way. And there's nothing better than the connection with, with people we care for and with ourselves. And I just think that food is, um, food is one way in to our hearts, you know? 
I love that. Ellen, where can we find your book or your services or anything else that you do? Sure. So my website is pearlnaturalhealth.com. Uh, my book, Nutritional Healing with Chinese Medicine, uh, plus 175 seasonal recipes. You can get it independent bookstores, Amazon, Barnes and Noble. So you can get it online. In fact, it was published out of Canada. So Very you cool. can have real access to the book, uh, but you have access all over the world. I'm on Instagram at Goldsmith Ellen and Facebook at Nutritional Healing with Chinese Medicine. So you can reach me through my website if you're interested in consults or me speaking or teaching. I love to do that. Love to meet with groups of people. Wonderful. That was fantastic. Thank you so much, Ellen. We appreciate your sharing your time with us and expertise. And we wish all everyone all the best in, in seasonal eating. I think that was great. Thank you. Great to be here with you, Drew. All right, that's going to wrap things up for this edition of Exploring Mind and Body. Once again, thank you so much for being here. Thank you for tuning in and being a part of our True Form Life community. You can always find us on facebook.com slash trueformlife. We post up there a couple times a day on our story. We're always trying to bring you more content around living a healthy lifestyle, whether that be nutrition, fitness, lifestyle, and more. We also have free challenges that we do at least once a month. So if you follow us along there, you'll be able to join maybe a plank challenge or a squat challenge, Tabata challenge, whatever it may be. We'd love to have you join us. We're also on Instagram.com slash Drew Tadia. Again, we're posting up there a couple times a day along with our story, all dedicated to keeping you fit and healthy and on track. Our main website is trueformlife.com. If you want to check out some of our products, some of our services, or if you just want some great content from videos to blog posts and recipes and more, we got all that at trueformlife.com. Once again, thank you so much for being here. That's it. That's all I got. I'm out of here. As always, I'm your host, Drew Tadia, in health and fitness for a better world. Thanks for listening. You've been listening to Exploring Mind and Body with True Form Life's Drew Tadia, fitness expert. To find out more about the show, Drew Tadia, or to listen to past shows, visit exploringmindandbody.com.